This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues that affect your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. And today on Health Dose, we're going to highlight one of the programs at MidMichigan Health called Home Care. We're talking with Becky Hale, LMSW, the MidMichigan Home Care Social Work and After Hours Manager, who has some valuable information for those of us who are seeking care for a loved one. Health Dose asked Becky, what is a home care informational visit? Well, it's a free visit that we offer, and it's performed by a home care social worker to assess a person's needs and explain available services. So the goal is that we would help people to understand home health and hospice better. What we're really there for is to educate about our services, and if a patient meets our criteria and they're agreeable to our services, it's a mechanism to bring them on smoothly, and then we can help with those more in-depth needs. So we offer home health and hospice, But MPG offers palliative care in the home or clinic setting. And that can be a little confusing to people because palliative care used to fall under home care and we offered all three. But in the last couple years, that was transitioned over to MPG. But we still recognize that that's a very valuable service within our system. So when our social workers are doing the informational visits, We also share information about palliative care and help with that referral process if needed. So basically, home health would be for those patients who need intermittent care. Maybe they're coming home from the hospital, recovering from an illness, or they have a new diagnosis, or they had a surgery. Those are our home health patients. And then palliative care kind of falls in the middle of the continuum. They would provide care for chronic illnesses, and they have a nurse practitioner and then other disciplines as needed. And then our other program is the end of the continuum, which would be hospice, and that's where we provide end-of-life care for terminally ill patients. So we still have home health and hospice that fall under home care. And then palliative care is somewhere in the middle there and it falls under MPG. But we know that as we talk with people in the community about what their needs are, they may fall in line with home health and palliative care. Maybe they have an acute illness and a chronic illness. At that point, we could help them work on getting into both of those programs as they serve different needs for the patient. So we're really trying to assess the situation and help them understand what might be the best support for what they're going through. This type of informational visit can be done wherever is most comfortable and convenient for the person. So we often do informational visits in the hospital. We have a liaison um, at the Midland Hospital, Jessica Wright, who does those whenever she's asked, Penny DeBeau at the Gratiot Hospital whenever she's asked to do that. We can also go to a provider office. We can go to a person's home. We can go to a family member's home. Or if a person lives in a facility like an adult foster care or an assisted living or a skilled nursing facility, we can certainly do informational visits there as well. So we want to make it as easy as possible 
to educate them about our services and to help smooth that transition. And especially with COVID going on right now, some people are not comfortable with visits, so we can also provide this education by phone. So whatever works best for them, that's what we want to do. And something that people really appreciate is that there is no charge for this service. So when someone is making a referral for an informational visit, they might be confident already because they know this person, they know their medical situation, that they would be a great candidate for home health or hospice, but the person themselves needs more education before accepting the service. Other times, the referring person might be uncertain about which program they qualify for. So uh, I'm not sure. They're kind of on the brink between home health and hospice, or, you know, I'm not really sure what the benefit of palliative care would be. So in those situations, just go ahead and make the referral, and we'll figure that part out. So one of the things that we really like to do is have goals of care discussions. So when a person is navigating a disease process and there's lots of different options coming at them, we want to make sure that we always go back to what they want and what their goals for care are. So what is it that is most important to them? But if you think a person could benefit from a goals of care discussion and education about home health, hospice, or even palliative care, just make a referral and then our social worker can dig deeper to determine which program they're best suited for. So we most importantly want to know what the patient wants. And then, of course, we want to know what their provider feels would be appropriate. And then we'll work together to make that happen. So we can evaluate eligibility and then work with the person's provider to obtain an order for services if that's what the person wants. Another piece that we can do that is very valuable is discussing advanced directives and code status. As we know, people go in and out of all different parts of the health system, and those advanced directives can follow them once we get them into the electronic system. So if we're able to get that done in the home, then that will be beneficial if they were in a crisis and in the hospital at a, at a later time. So those are basically the functions of our home care informational visit. So before you do your home care informational visit, do you already have an idea whether the patient will benefit from home care, from palliative care, or from hospice? Or is that something that you determine during this visit? That's a great question. It really depends on what information their provider gives us. So sometimes we just get an order that says info visit, and that's all we know. <laughs> and so in that case, we contact the patient, explain our role, and then we dig into questions with them to figure out where they're at, what their history has been, what would be most beneficial to them, and then what services they would meet criteria for. But other times, providers are very specific when they send orders and say informational visit to discuss such and such. So mm -hmm. we really go with whatever we receive. More information is always helpful because it just gives us a little bit more credibility with the patient if we have some information ahead of time, and it also helps us to prepare but it's perfectly fine the other way, too. That's really what we do is dig in and 
put the pieces together and figure out what's best. Talking about these kinds of situations has to be difficult for the patient. Even though they're trained, I'm sure it's difficult for the primary care provider. And certainly you want to include loved ones or family members as appropriate. But what are some ways that you can help our listeners approach the end-of-life discussion, the home care discussion, the palliative care discussion? What are some things we can do to prepare our loved ones or ourselves for these conversations? There are really two different kinds of conversations that are the most sensitive and most difficult. The first is a goals of care discussion. That discussion could happen with a person very early in their disease process and then all the way through. Each time something changes, it's important to assess where the patient is at. And now that things have changed a bit, are they still wanting to stay on the same trajectory or are they looking for some other options? So first, I can talk about some ways to approach a goals of care discussion. Mm-hmm. They can be difficult to start. And so I'm just going to share some of the questions that our staff use. Now, this is flexible because not every question may apply to every patient or there may be time constraints when a provider is meeting with a patient in the office. But these are just options that we choose from depending on the situation and it helps to narrow down all of the information and all of the thoughts that a person is having so that we can formulate a good plan in the end. So some of the questions might be difficult for patients to answer. So, of course, it's important to try to set them at ease and to give them time to respond and to schedule these kinds of discussions when there is enough time to really dig deep and then support them emotionally through this. It can't be a rushed discussion. It's just too much. So we might start with something like this. I'm hoping we can talk about where things are with your health and where they might be going. Is this okay with you? How much information do you like to have about your health? And the reason we might ask that question is because some people want to know everything and some people say, that's too much for me. If you could communicate with my daughter, then she can tell me what I need to know. So it's important for us to know how much information they want to have. Thirdly, what is your understanding of your health right now? And does that match up with what we understand to be true? Sometimes after we have the discussions, we realize we need to have a patient circle back to their provider to have more discussion about what's happening medically and what their prognosis may be before they're going to be willing to think about hospice. They need to know their provider's take on things. And of course, that makes sense. Many of these patients have had relationships with their providers for years and years, and they're just meeting us for the first time. So as much as possible, sharing this information with them in that relationship that's already established is really helpful. But sometimes it's not possible. And sometimes we're there as a reinforcement to a discussion that's already taken place. So some more questions would be, do you need more information about what's currently happening with your health? If so, what questions do you have? 
sometimes we can answer those questions. Sometimes, again, we want them to circle back to their provider. What are your most important goals if your health worsens? What are your biggest fears and worries about your health? What gives you strength when you think about the future? What abilities are so important to your life that you can't imagine living without them? And this question can be answered so differently depending on the person. And it's so important for us to individualize a plan for them that aligns with their values and what's important to them. If you become sicker, how much do you want to go through for the possibility of gaining more time? How much does your family know about your wishes? Have you appointed someone to make your medical decisions should you become unable to do so? Have you considered whether you want to be resuscitated if your heart stops or if you stop breathing? And then once we have that information, then we try to summarize what they've told us and then from that formulate a plan that makes sense. So we might end with something like this. Thank you for having the courage to share all of this with me. I know it can be difficult to talk about. It sounds like blank is very Mm -hmm. important to you. And that's going to be very specific to that person. Given your goals and wishes and what we know about your health, I would like to talk to you about and then we can proceed with home health, hospice, palliative care, whatever it might be. So we kind of start by getting their permission to talk about these difficult things. And if they give us the go-ahead, then we can ask some of those pretty tough questions to, to really get at their goals and wishes. And then in the end, we tie that back up and formulate a plan with them. So that would be one type of discussion that can be difficult And those kinds of questions always help to make the discussion easier. The next type of discussion that's probably the most difficult is when we want to talk about end of life. And these are so hard for many different reasons. One reason could be that the person or the family might not fully understand their prognosis or they may not be ready to accept it. Or there may be family conflict surrounding the person's situation. So there are just a multitude of reasons that it's hard for people to talk about end of life. Often people are most open to these discussions um, with the providers that they trust and that they know the best. So yes, we can come in and do this and we love to do this. But if those people who have been involved in their health for a longer amount of time, start these discussions, then it's just a beautiful succession to us when we come into the home because they've already laid the groundwork and now we're picking up the baton and going from there to say, okay, I understand this is the really tough place you're in, but I want you to know there's hope and I want you to know there's options and I want you to know there can be improved quality of life from what you're experiencing right now. And this is what I want to tell you about. So if they've got that foundation of knowing everything they can about their medical situation, then it allows us to dig deeply into the emotional part of it and make sure that they understand what all their support options are. So to start the end-of-life discussions, it's really essential to provide positive wording. We want to make sure that we're framing it in a positive way. 
Because so often when people hear the word hospice, they think, I'm dying, this is it, it's over. And we want to make sure that people understand that there can be some really great quality of life once people have been terminally diagnosed and go on to hospice. We can provide a level of comfort and support that can make their final days, weeks, months really positive in a lot of ways. And so we want to make sure that things are worded in such a way. So we could use phrases like, another option to consider is, as we think about the next step in your journey, as we think about your quality of life, Let's talk about what is most important to you as we shift from curative to comfort care. So those are all good conversation starters that have a positive slant, that we're not just giving up. We're not just saying, okay, everything's done, you're dying. We're saying, okay, we're entering another phase here, but these are some things that we can offer and we're happy to do that. We're happy to support you and to walk through this with you. So those are some of the tips that we use for goals of care discussions and of life discussions. And anyone who can lay the foundation before the info visit, that just helps us to be able to progress further in our conversation. How much of a conversation do you have after this visit with healthcare providers, the healthcare team, doctors, nurses, about your findings? Yeah, that's a great question. So once we finish an informational visit, we always report back to the referral source. So sometimes it's a family member, sometimes it's a doctor's office, sometimes it is the discharge planner on the floor at the hospital. So if the patient is agreeable to us sharing information with that person, then we report back to them the highlights of our discussion and what we assessed as their greatest needs. And if they're eligible for a certain program and they want that program, then we'll work together with everyone involved to make sure it's a smooth transition to whatever program they're wanting. What's the best way to initiate this kind of informational visit? Sure. So the best way is to talk with the person about it first. We don't want them to be surprised. When we call and say, you know, this is Becky, social worker from MidMichigan Home Care, and this is what I want to do today, if they have no idea who we are and why we're calling, oftentimes they may say no thank you. And so the biggest piece of an informational visit is to talk with the person first and make sure they understand what our purpose is and that they're agreeable to that. Then all a referral source needs to do is either fax or call our MidMichigan Home Care Intake Department, and we will take it from there. So the most important thing is to talk about this before you have to make decisions. Am I right? It does help a lot. You know, just with sudden illnesses and maybe patients who are changing from one provider to the next, 
It's not always able to take place ahead of time, but it is great when it does because it just lays that groundwork. So some of the things that the healthcare team can do to help patients navigate these difficult decisions is to give them as much information as possible about their health so they're making informed decisions. They have all the information they need to say, yes, I want this or no, I don't. Also, to have ongoing discussions with them about their goals of care, their prognosis, and their treatment options, especially as their condition changes. We have so many wonderful touch points in our system to provide opportunities for these discussions. Of course, we have our providers. We also have our patient care navigators. We have our care managers in the doctor's offices now. We have our discharge planners in the hospitals. So many different touch points where these conversations can take place. And it's wonderful when we can work together to make sure that patients have all the information they need to make the best decisions. Again, just offering and explaining the informational visit to the person or family so they are expecting contact from us and they're willing to accept that. Also, to be a cheerleader for the care options like hospice because patients trust those they know best. They're more likely to accept services if they know that their provider is supportive of their decision. So, A positive word from a provider or a nurse or someone that they trust goes so far in helping them to make decisions. Also, I don't know if you've all seen these, but we have informational visit cards. They're front and back, and they explain most of the information that we're talking about today about home health informational visits, hospice informational visits, and some of the triggers that would prompt someone to make a referral for one of those informational visits. So if you don't have those cards, I think it would be great for you to have that as a guide to help you make referral decisions. You can reach out to me, Becky Hale, I'm on the Michigan email or call our home care office and I can send some of those to you. So it's not necessarily a flyer that you would give to patients. It's more of a guide for our healthcare professional to remember, hey, what kinds of things do I look for when I'm making a home health info visit referral? What kinds of things do I need to look for that might prompt a hospice info visit referral? In general, what are the benefits of having this home care informational visit with the patient? A patient may be more comfortable discussing these kinds of sensitive topics and their goals of care in their own home. They can choose to include whomever they wish. So when we call to schedule, we ask them when is a good time and tell them that if there's anyone that they want to be a part of the discussion, they're welcome to invite them. So that works out really well, especially in this COVID environment that we're currently living in. Sometimes it's difficult to schedule family members or caregivers to participate in hospital or office discussions, either due to the timing of the meeting or COVID restrictions that don't allow those people to go into the offices. Sometimes discussions can be cut short in a hospital or office setting due to other urgent patient needs or crises that are occurring. So sometimes it's just a more laid back, comfortable setting in their own home. 
Also, our home care social workers, we facilitate these sensitive and valuable conversations every day. This is what we do. We work in home health and hospice, and so it's natural for us to be able to answer very detailed questions about these programs and to be good resources for the people we're speaking with to understand what it is we're offering. If the person's goals of care align with home health or hospice, then our team will communicate with everyone involved to ensure a smooth transition. So those are just all nice benefits of having the home care informational visit before a person comes on to our services. Some of the things that would be triggers for home health is if a person is having trouble living independently, if they have a new diagnosis, medication, or treatment, if they're having difficulty managing their disease process and they would benefit from in-home assessments and teaching, if their health is changing quickly and they're calling their provider more often, if they frequently cancel their provider appointments because it's difficult for them to get there, if they're having difficulty understanding their medication regimen, if they're having increased falls or weakness, if they're having decreased mobility or range of motion, if they're experiencing significant symptoms that are impacting their quality of life, or even just if their family is overwhelmed with their care, those are all great indicators that a person may benefit from home health. And sometimes we start out a conversation thinking, oh, this person is you know, a really good candidate for home health. Let's talk about this. But then, surprisingly, as they open up and we get more information, they really may be ready for palliative care, hospice, or whatever else. And so just digging into those conversations and those indicators may lead us down another road depending on the situation. A hospice informational visit, that would be more appropriate when like a person wants to discuss their goals of care and they're starting to think about curative versus comfort care. So curative care is provided when a person is on home health and palliative care, but once they move towards hospice, that's where we shift to the comfort care. So if they're making statements like that, that would be a great time to at least let us tell them about the hospice philosophy and and what the team has to offer. Also, are they starting to move from a chronic disease process to an end-stage disease process? So they've been sick with that disease for many years, but now it's moving towards end of life. When a person is questioning treatments, tests, or procedures that are impacting their quality of life, and they're really wondering, is this the best path for me, or is it time to think about not doing these things? When they're expressing physical or emotional fatigue, and they want more support around their illness. When they have misconceptions, fears, or questions about end of life when they're having frequent hospitalizations or emergency department visits and they're not expected to improve, when they are undergoing treatment but it's losing its efficacy, those are all indicators that they could be appropriate for hospice. So we just want to make sure that we're giving them an opportunity to be educated and empowered to choose options that align with their goals. That is Mid-Michigan Home Care Social Work and After Hours Manager, Becky Hale. 
As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. And for more information about MidMichigan's home care program, go to midmichigan.org slash home care. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another episode of Health Dose.